Let me rap to you soft like pure cause you all like king in your own right. Rock what you all like J off the wall tight. Low on the floor like all over the song hot and born to the catch flight. Peace y'all, Sakua Nahru. And when we told you this was for Queen Latifah, for Light, for Shantae, Bahamadia, Lauren Hill, Heather B, for Jean Grey, y'all knew that the world was listening. Stay tuned. Tune into The World Is Listening on BCFM. Peace. On today's show, we've got a really exciting guest. Her name is Akua Naru. You heard her introducing the show at the start there. Akua recorded a track which we named our entire organisation and this show after. We've asked her about that and about her new album, The Miner's Canary, when she recently visited the Colson Hall in Bristol. So to get us started, we're going to hear a track from that new album of hers. It's called Seraphim. Georgia O'Keefe hieroglyphic Round of applause Kiss me an encore Nominate you for a war Till you scream Oh Lord Singing out of tune I wear you like perfume Like morning around Since the afternoon And at night Loving you is like So sweet my teeth rot Just speaking of love And how we rock Roll like Draped in lover's arms Slow framed in the calm Recite a bracelet of poems Inspired by your charm And in the room Stink attitudes in front And you ask me what's wrong I'm steady telling you It's nothing loving you it's like living life in still shots, sipping rhyme till beat drop. Plus, I love the way you hip hop when our lips lock. I could write the score to your laughter. You stay by my side like Mozambique and Madagascar. I'm sat here in the Colson Hall with Akua Nari. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And um, I've just been listening to The Miner's Canary non-stop for really? a couple of days. Really? Congratulations. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And uh, a level up, I think. I mean, I love the first album, but... Yeah, but The Miner's Canary is my baby. It's your baby. It's a, it's, they both are, but The Miner's Canary is my baby in a different way. You know, the Miner's Canary was just born out of different circumstances. On the Journey of Flame, it was beats. You know, I was really a writer, and I had, I definitely had a say-so in, you know, what the music was, like, what I chose, and, like, if I wanted to redo a bass line or add a guitar solo, but it wasn't live. For the Miner's Canary, it was, I sat down, and I had a plan, like, what I wanted it to sound like and how I wanted to go about it, and it took me two years and I produced the album. Would you say you produced um, Journey of Flame? No. Right. I would say that I had some input, 
but I mean, these were like beats, people using samples. <clears throat> I have a cold, so my voice <laughs> might sound a little, you know, um, hoarse. Right. The Journey of Flame was like a few beat makers yeah. who contributed, and I listened through and decided, and then we kind of narrowed it down. The Miner's Canary was like compositions and ideas that I had with others, you know, like great musicians and, you know, like carving a map over a two-year span. It was musically, it was just different. There are no samples. Everything that you hear, everything, the violin, the pianos, it's all real. I wonder, my experience with making records, the, I, my most recent record, I would say I, I produce as well. The, nice. The way you're talking about, but previously I wouldn't have said that I did. And I, I think it came from confidence within me to own, to own that. Absolutely. And is, is that what? Absolutely, absolutely. There was a time when I was working on the miners. No, because with the journey of flame, the thing is, I'm a writer first. Yeah. I'm a writer first, and I labor over every sentence. It takes. That's why some people write me and ask me, like, "Hey, could we do a feature?" And it's like, look, we. I don't have that kind of time for me to write for like 16 bars. There's some songs that took me two years to write. There's like, a, I, there's a verse on Boom Bap Back that I wrote. It took me four days to write 16 bars because I'm constantly, like I can't, my process of writing is very, um, I mean, it's just a different process. And people like my friends would say that I'm a bit strange, you know, how I write and like what that looks like. But it's just a rigorous process for me. And I, and I live with whatever I'm writing and it haunts me if I feel that there's something, like if the metaphor was not it's like shaking a tree and I need to shake every single fruit. If I'm going for the fruit, I need to shake every leaf and they need to land delicately. That's how I feel. So for me, the writing is first. Oh, can you tell me where the title of the album comes from? Yes. Okay, so the minor is Canary as a title. It really, um, I have a good friend named uh, Dr. Trisha Rose. She's on the record. Yes, actually she's also on the Journey of Flame too. That's her at the end of the, okay. that's her in the journey. Okay. And, um, you know, like we have been having conversations. We talk a lot about race, a lot about what it means to be black women in the United States and in the world. And there was a book that came out called The Miner's Canary. And in this book, it talks about, um, it talks about race. It talks about the post, so-called post-racial circumstance of you know, black life in the old, in the Obama era. And uh, it compares uh, the black community, the vulnerability of the black community to the to the canary as it fly, as the canary was used in these experiments when they would send canaries into the mine to test the sort of like the oxygen levels. And if the canaries survived, then the miners knew they could continue to work for that day and if they didn't come out then they were dead and obviously they couldn't work that day and they would do the same thing the next day and the question is like why the canary that the entire institution is built upon this canary's life this beautiful yet vulnerable bird who has to have the courage to fly in and yet doesn't reap any of the benefits that the miners mine from this you know from the mine so I just felt that it was a metaphor for me and where I was as I was preparing to embark on this journey as a producer and as a composer 
in this moment and also was a metaphor for what's the central narrative of the album, which is about a black, really a lot about black life, black experience uh, within the world, you know, um, as I'm in this body in this particular lifetime. Like the canary is the, she is at the heart of the. Your album finishes with this amazing speech from Dr. Trisha Rose, which I'll play on the show so people can hear. Please do. Um, I've, I listened to it over and over again because I, I kind of wanted to soak it all. You know when you, there's a really? poem and you want to read it again and again and again. And uh, she talks, so she talks about, for the listeners, she talks about how um, the people with power get the mic and they get the amplifiers and that black women especially have a harder time getting on the mic and, and are marginalised in these important moments of storytelling. Right. She says, um, do you feel you had to elbow your way into the mic? Well, I feel like in hip hop, there's a quality of elbowing your way, period. If you were MC, you gotta prove, uh, you could be black, white, green, purple, pink, polka dot, male, female, dog, cat, mouse, like you gotta prove yourself. Cause that's really, in some ways, it's really at the core that's a quality that's at the core of the culture. I, I mean, you know, hip hop is a lot of, is coming from a, a lot, has a lot to do with ego and I'm here, I'm representing, look at me, being visible, you know, and showing what you can do and why you're so dope and everybody else is whack. So of course you have to elbow, but I mean, we live in a very um, sexist context. We live in a very racist context. So it's obvious that there are people who automatically assume that they don't like what you have to say and it's not worth listening to just because of the body you were born into. Like, that's fact. I mean, there are people who don't support women and that's why traditionally, if you look at hip hop and other genres, I mean, not to just single hip hop out, I mean, we could go to the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are, there has been, um, women's voices have been marginalized and in many cases non-existent so yes but in my in my personal world and like the world that I create I'm just rocking and the people who came out for example last night and the night before in uh I mean and and before in Edinburgh and in Manchester before that and in Dusseldorf and in Frankfurt and in New York they know that it's a sister on the microphone and they're there and they're rocking so I mean I can't, I, I can't even, I know that that exists and I would not de deny these institutions of patriarchy and every, and yada, 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 yada. But I'm rocking. It's one woman in the mic.
get the mic all the time. They get the mic, they get the recorder, uh, and they get the, the speaker. Now, a lot of groups of people in society don't have access to that. So even if the spirit of community and individual sharing drives a lot of black music, what we find is that black women's voices have just too often been marginalized in those moments of very important storytelling. Now, of course, the tradition is talking about sex, when they're not talking about relationships, um, when they're talking about power, when they're talking about suffering, when they're talking about what it means to be a black woman in a way that maybe doesn't make every brother on earth thrilled to hear it right away. Those women are harder to get heard. Those women have a harder time getting the mic, getting appreciated for being on the mic, and for being understood as part of the, the sort of metaphorical cipher. And I think, you know, that, that power dynamic has to be challenged. It has to be transformed in such a way that more members of the community who are less hurt, um, they, have to, they have to elbow their way to the mic sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. And, and you know, when they successfully grab hold of the sort of the narrative in the space and compel us to listen, you know, they're the most powerful of all because they, they affirm the tradition and they challenge the tradition at the same time. If you should listen to um, Black, uh, Sa Rock, she's an MC from Atlanta. Her album is called The Legend of Black Moses. It's some deep political, she's spitting fire. Oh my goodness. This sister is going all the way in. Sa Rock. My statements are tenaciously baiting and basic MCs complacently laying empty breath wasting six teams on paper and faking this street credentials for entry inside the matrix it's basic you lost the ace to them known as the global flash flash flashback 88 caught my first tape third grade young girl banging roxy and shantae around my way claude mckay disarray langston's the dark hues get bruised stored away hey caught in cage fought in the maze gave up and now i got dreams of being live on stage what turn the volume up me and my cousin doing the wop dreaming about the salt and pepper haircut speakers bump light as a rock pumps the rhythm of my next double dutch jump what you want at once pacola Bree loves her we dreamed of ourselves new when Latifah showed us what a queen was Went from invisible to seen on the smooth tip sweet tea To follow Moni in the middle on the scene Saw them, saw myself out of rock mics when I'm older Picked up the pen and like internet This is for Latifah, for life, for Shantae Bahamadia, Laura Hill, Heather B, for Jean Grey Evie, Nikki D, Salt and Pepper, even me A Pony B for Missy, for Kim and Foxy For Rod Digger Rage, left eye for Yo-Yo Prola Perry, nonchalant, the brat for Jane Doe Rage, Mystic Force, Rocky D for those never seen On the search for female MCs, the microphone fiends Stomped in the 90s after school, you could find me How do you feel about knowing that we've named our organisation? Was it after this song? Yeah Well, I'm just now finding it out in this moment I'm, <laughs> how do I feel? 
I'm honored. I feel flattered. It really shows you the power. That's what I'm saying. When I wrote this song, I, I don't know how much time you have, but while I got you, when I wrote this song, I was listening to an old Queen Latifah album, Black Rain, I think. And she had a track, I think Naughty by Nature was were on it. I think they were on it, but don't quote me. So like if anybody listening, if you look it up and that's not the thing, look, I don't, maybe it's not correct, but I'm almost positive, almost the key word here. She had a song um, where she just let the beat rock. It was just like a beat rock. And then she started spitting and she went, she went in. Latifah is really a dope MC. Like we know her as like the Oprah of hip hop right now, <laughs> but she was she's always been a dope MC. And I was just listening to the beat because it was like the beat just ran, would just start running. There was a period where it was just going. It was no rap. And I started hearing, "This is for Latifah," because it's for me when I write. The music writes itself. It's just a spirit speaking to me. Like this is for Latifah, for Light, for Shantae, Bahamadia, Lauren Hill. Heather B for Jean Grey. Then I just started thinking, like, there needs to be a song to celebrate women. Where is this song? Where is this song? Where is this song? Like, if you think about it, like, in the canon of hip, the hip hop canon, if even if we don't even gotta go to, if to the canon, because we would have to debate who belongs in the canon, which I believe will be disproportionately men, obviously. When we talk about hip-hop over the last, let's say, 35 years, 40 years, because hip-hop been in the game for, for 40 years now. It's like, really, there, like, if you really look at it, there are, we've been denied access to female voice. That's just the reality. Even now, there are one or two or three or whatever, a handful of women, no more than a handful. And even those voices, in my opinion, have been co-opted because I believe that, you know, on a mainstream level, there's a template for what's going to sell. It's like if you have a commercial, you know, if you put people in bikinis or whatever in this commercial, it's going to catch people's attention and you might sell products, you know, at a rate that's significantly higher than if you didn't have those things. And hip hop is a commodity like rock or like whatever. And I really believe that. So I'm saying think about what we've lost we have been denied access to an entire field of knowledge. There's a body of knowledge we don't have access to. That means men, for the last 40 years, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm saying in the 90s, we did have a height of visibility, more visibility for women. But I'm saying, if you consider the number of dudes that's rocking, like the number is nowhere near. So I'm saying a song like, for example, Most Deaf's Miss Fat Booty, which is a classic or Poor Righteous Teacher Shaquilla, you know, or uh, Tupac's Dear Mama, or um, Jay-Z's Song Cry, like how women are painted in these songs, how we're constructed in, 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 in their world. We get to see a window into who we are to them, no matter how beautiful, no matter how ugly, no matter how problematic. Men have never had access to that. If you think about it, they've never, been able to the world has not really truly been able to see itself through our eyes has not been able to hear itself through our eyes
Latifah with Black Hand Side from her album Black Rain. You're tuned to The World is listening on BCFM 93.2 and online bcfmradio.com. That Queen Latifah track was a recommendation from today's guest, Akua Naru, who I recently caught up with at her show at Colston Hall during her tour for her second album, Miner's Canary. And I asked her what it was like to be a voice for black women. Oh my God, what does it mean to me to be able to be a voice for black (laughs) women? First of all, let me say there are women that I've met across the world who said that they felt my music. It was beyond race. That was, um, and that's been amazing. That's what I'm saying. But that's the thing. And there's a writer named Toni Morrison who I love. And Toni Morrison is a genius. And Toni Morrison is the, the greatest writer, on, living writer, right? And I, would, I, just, I just believe that. Like, Toni Morrison writes, centralizes the black experience in her work. This, she, this is a woman who helped me to create a standard because her level of writing is so high. This is the work of God. Like, if you don't believe in a, in a higher power, read this, read, read this. What I, that's what I learned from her. She says she centralizes the black experience and she writes a lot from her from she, you know, black women protagonists at the center of her narrative in a way that the world had never seen. This is the center. She says she will not apologize for that. I feel like using that example, I do the same. I centralize my experience as a black woman. It's always there. It's always there. But she says, just like Tolstoy wrote about his experience, it doesn't, we are not, we didn't ask him to write for us, but that didn't mean that we couldn't relate to what he wrote. So I'm saying, for me, I centralized my experience, but in such a way that I feel that other people from wherever they're coming from can relate to wherever, from wherever they're coming from. And how does that feel? I feel honored. I feel like the ancestors are proud. And I feel like that's the reason why I'm here on this planet at this time. And I feel, I just feel honored and grateful and, and um, you know. And to have the gift of language to, to do it with. That's a blessing. Yeah. Any gift. I think also it's something that I think about a lot. I think, I think about a language a lot. And so I don't know, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older uh-huh. or if it's because I'm um, more interested in, well, things, because... Uh, like, I'm more interested in politics, I'm more interested in equality, I'm, I'm more interested in these things. So I don't know if I'm noticing it more or if there is a shift. But I want to ask you if you think maybe, is there a shift in society when it comes to language? And we're learning, I feel like maybe we're learning more about how powerful it is, how accountable we are for our language. <coughs> I mean, it's quite a big conversation because I think... I'm not sure entirely clear what my question would be. I know what you mean, though. I would ask, do you, do you think there's a shift? That's a good question. I was asking myself that the other day. I don't know. Because it's like, who you are, you're going to attract people who... So maybe that's why we met in this moment, or maybe that's what drew you to my music, because you kind of... There's a frequency that's vibrating somewhere at the same rate. So we gravitate towards each other and we connect because I meet a lot of conscious-minded people and I don't know is it just me or are people waking up 
I, I don't know. I think I'm too subjective. I'm too in the experience. Like, I saw the other day that there are cities across the United States now that have totally um, abandoned Columbus Day. And I think that's, oh, my goodness. But I've this argument has been going on, like, since whatever. Like, that's so like basic and elementary that this is is um hurtful it's ignorant it's even racist to even celebrate this in the first place but the fact that people are like rallying to do something about it now does that mean people are waking up or i I don't know i I mean maybe because of the internet you know what i mean it's given a lot of people a voice it created industry and also a level of um, activism because people are coming together like around like if you love poodles <laughs> we could start a group and start a revolution right now for I mean it sounds I'm being facetious but just to not name one in, in particular thing since we don't have time but just saying if we wanted to go hard right now for poodles like I feel like we could get <laughs> what we could rally some people like I, I don't know maybe it's because of the internet that it seems like like, it may be in your city, if you only know three people that feel a certain way about a certain thing, I could be connected to, like, 500 other people through a group on Facebook and be in a world where I'm interacting with them through Viber, WhatsApp, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, to where it's so real for me, although we're not even physically in the same space. I really, I think we need time. We need, like, maybe 15 or 20 years to see how this plays out to see how this this particular period of time is named mm-hmm. since these gener- each generation has its name each decade has is called something i think we need time so in retrospect we'll be able to see mm-hmm. what that if it really was in fact a shift and what the circ- what the consequences were you know what i mean how much progress was made or you know, but I hope that it's a shift. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for it. Really, I'm, I'm ready, because this world has just broken my heart. Truly. Yeah, yeah it's pain. <clears throat> it's kind of painful to live, live it, isn't it? To live consciously. Absolutely. Erica Badu said it best. Remember this world to change so much. Yeah, yeah. Since I've been conscious. There won't be naming no buildings after me. You don't know that? Check that song. She's saying this world's changed so much since I became conscious. It's true, because they say ignorance is bliss. No, you won't be naming no buildings after me.